Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you. Glad you're here. Good to be back. Good to see you too, Joe. I know, man, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you're here today. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. The family and I, uh, at least uh, uh, one of our sons and his wife got to go with us. We went to Colorado for a week. We love to go up and, and ride our four-wheelers and side-by-sides on the trails and one, a couple of things come out of that. One, you get to see part of Colorado that you don't get to see from the interstate. And two, if you get far enough up in the mountains, your phone doesn't work. And that is a blessing, I promise you. The only problem with that is when you get back to where you're staying, your phone works and, and it vibrates the parts off of it. So, uh, But it was, it was good uh, to be gone. I missed being with you folk. It's good to be back with you today. Uh, today, I have a, a little bit of a a different approach, a, a little different thing that I want to do. Uh, for the last couple of months in particular, and actually it's been two or three years now, but for the last couple of months in particular, the Lord has just burdened me with a particular issue. And it, and it came back to me, roaring back to me in June when we were in Nashville for the Southern Baptist Convention. Several years ago, when I was pastoring at First Baptist Marlowe, a man that had pastored at First Baptist Altus for many years, some of you will know Keith Wigington, one of the greatest preachers, pastors, gentlemen that I, I know. He retired at First Baptist Altus, and because he was looking for a really good church with a really good pastor, he and his wife Linda moved to Marlowe. That's not the reason they moved to Marlowe, but they moved to Marlowe. Actually, they moved to Marlowe because they had some friends living in Marlowe. And Brother Keith and Linda joined First Baptist Marlowe. So for many years, I had the privilege of, of being Keith Wigington's pastor. And that's just crazy. But Keith, Brother Keith would come by uh, periodically, and, and we would just visit and talk about church and talk about how to do church. And, and, and I remember multiple times when Keith was in my office that he would say to me, what we did at Altus, Joe, is we tore down walls and we built bridges. We tore down walls and we built bridges. And I would say, Brother Keith, is, is that why First Baptist Altus grew the way it did? Is that the reason that you guys baptized all those folks that you baptized while you were there? He said, Joe, we tore down walls and we built bridges. Then in Nashville in June, when I was at Southern Baptist Convention, Dr. Fred Luter who pastors in New Orleans, was giving the nominating speech for uh, Dr. Ed Litton, who would become our Southern Baptist Convention president. And as Fred Luter was giving that nominating speech, that nomination speech, he said something about Ed Litton that just rattled my bones. He said, you know, Ed Litton is a man who tears down walls and who builds bridges. And it was in this moment of a nomination speech of all things that the Lord just replaced this burden on me about not only our Southern Baptist Convention, not only our state convention, not only our churches, but even First Baptist Union. The incredible responsibility that we have to tear down walls and build bridges. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Of tearing down walls 
and building bridges. Because here's the deal. When we successfully tear down walls and we successfully build bridges, there is a unity that is born in that. That Jesus said in John chapter 17 is proof that the Father sent him. Did you know that? When we come together to tear down the walls and to build the bridges, working together as one, working together in unity, is undeniable proof that God the Father sent Jesus the Son to this earth. Let's talk about that today. Can we pray together? Father, we are grateful for this Lord's Day, the privileged Father of gathering and singing and fellowshipping and praying and hearing about the good work that you're doing through BCMs around our state. God, thank you for each of these folks who've taken time out of their schedule, out of their day, out of their weekend to come and be a part. God, may you bless them for their obedience and being here. God, may you fill them with your spirit today in response to the, to the word, that your word that we'll look at. God, would you just help us to know that you're in control. God, that as out of control as things seem to be in our country and in our world, that you are in control. There's nothing that has escaped your notice, nothing so strong that your power does not overwhelm it, nothing so radical that it's not somehow, Father, a part of your amazing plan. And I just pray, Father, that you help me realize that and know that and these folks as well, that we can trust you. God, that we can put our full trust and confidence in you and your perfect plan for all of us. God, and, and in the way that you have designed all of this to work, we give you praise. In the blessed name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. And all the Lord's people said, amen. amen. We're going to start out this morning in the Gospel of Matthew. And then we're going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. I know that your sermon note card says something about Ephesians 2, and we're going to get there. But I think it's really important that I start with you in the Gospel of Matthew and, 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 and give you a little bit of background as we get into Ephesians 2. And as we get into Ephesians 2, we're going to get to what I came to talk to you about today. And it sounds like it's going to be long, but I hear that's okay because Perry preached for an hour while I was gone. And man, do I appreciate the fact that Perry preached for an hour. It makes me look better just standing close next to him. You know, how about that? That was a joke. Some of you have to loosen up a little bit. All right, the Gospel of Matthew, I hope that you found it, and I, and, and I want you to find chapter 27. It, it is a rather long chapter, and we're going we're gonna to pick up the story in, in verse 51 for the sake of time. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Now, what we discover in Matthew chapter 27 is, is part of the Passion Week that leads up to the crucifixion of Jesus. And it's as Jesus is being crucified that we pick up the story in, 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 in verse 51. And, and, and an amazing thing happens. In fact, it's more than one amazing, amazing thing. It's several, but I want to focus on, on one of them. And, and here's what the scripture says in Matthew 27, verse 51. And behold, pay attention, watch. This is important, the Bible says. And behold... The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
Now, for those of you that are familiar with that Old Testament temple or that Old Testament tabernacle, you know that it was basically a series of enclosures. The, the, the most important enclosure was, was, was called the Holy of Holies, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant, you remember Indiana Jones' first movie, the Ark of the Covenant was, and the cherubim that, 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 that shadowed over the, the mercy seat, and, and, and this curtain. Now, it talks about this curtain in the Scripture, and the, and, and the difficulty that we have when it talks about the curtain is that we often think about the, 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 the curtains that we have in our homes and, and how kind of thin they are and how kind of flimsy they are and how they let light through, and you can even see through some of them a little bit. This curtain that the scripture speaks about that encircled the Holy of Holies, the most holy place there in, in, the, in, in, in the temple was much thicker than that. In fact, it was a very heavy thing. It had multiple layers. And, 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 and it covered this room, again, where this Ark of the Covenant was. And, and, and it was so holy, so amazing, so other, other than who we are that there was only one man that was allowed into that area one time of year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, our Jewish friends would say. And the other priests that were ministering around this, this most holy place, this Holy of Holies, would, would back up to the curtain and reach down and pull up the curtain and the high priest, the only one that once a year could go into that, into that holiest place, would, would shimmy under that curtain and there would minister at the mercy seat at the presence of God. The high priest actually had little bells on the hem of his robe so that those standing outside could hear the bells jingling, which meant that he hadn't been killed. <laughs> by the very presence of God. They actually had a rope tied onto him so that in case he did die in the presence of God, they could drag him out of there. One day a year, one man into the very presence of God. And then we read this amazing story in the Gospel of Matthew that at the death of Jesus... This very thick curtain, this very thick divider was torn, right? But don't miss the fact that it was torn from top to bottom. The tearing of this curtain was not the work of humanity, but it was the work of divinity. The rending of this curtain was not something that man did, but that God did. And you say, well, Joe, what's the big deal about this curtain being torn? Well, for the first time since this temple was built, <coughs> this area inside could now be seen by other folk other than the high priest. In fact, what is happening is that we see this amazing thing happening at the, at the death of Jesus that suddenly all of us have access to the very presence of God. Now, that doesn't sound like much to us because we've all been raised with that notion. I would suggest to you that at the moment that it happened, it was scandalous. It was radical. It was unheard of that other people other than the high priest could suddenly have access to God. And yet that's what we read. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And as you read through the remainder of that, there's some other crazy things that happen. Time does not permit us to, to deal with those things. 
But I just want you to think about this curtain being torn from top to bottom and this access that was suddenly granted to us all. However, however, the simple fact that the curtain was torn from top to bottom and we could all see the place of God did not mean that we could get to the place of God. Although we were allowed access, we weren't permitted to get there. You say, Joe, what are you talking about? That's a great question. You see, the Old Testament temple was basically a series of enclosures. These enclosures separated different groups of people from other groups of people. There was this most holy place, this holy of holies, which only the high priest could go into. There was an area right outside of that that only priests could go to. There was an area right outside of that that only the Levites could go to. There was an area right outside of that that only Jewish men could go to. There was an area right outside of that where only Jewish women could go to. And there was an area right outside of that that only Gentiles could go to. So this Old Old Testament temple uh, was, was a series of enclosures that separated people from people and moved people further away from the presence of God. Now that gets us to what I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 2. I told you that I was going to take you to the Gospel of Matthew and now Ephesians 2. And I want you to look with me now in Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to think about, about these series of enclosures that separated people from people and people from God. Even though, even though the veil and the holy place has been torn from top to bottom, these enclosures, these barriers, if you will, these walls are still standing. So although the the, the curtain has been torn and access has been granted, physically people can't get there because of these barriers, because of these walls that existed in the Old Testament temple. So Ephesians 2, are you there? Are y'all going on this journey with me? Let's pick it up in about uh, verse 13. Ephesians 2.13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, who would that be? Well, it depends. It depends, right? If you're the high priest, you're pretty close. If you're a priest, you're closer If you're a Levite, you're closer. If you're a Jewish male, okay. And if you're a Jewish woman, okay. If you're a Gentile, you're far off. Guess what? As far as I know, and I may be wrong about this. That's happened a few times in my life. We we would all be in the Gentile category. So we're in the the back of the bus. You with me? We're the ones that were once far off. But notice, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Stay with me. For he himself is our peace. I absolutely love that verse. That's one of my verses that I go back to over and over and over again, that Jesus is my peace. You ever pray for peace? I'm the only guy in the room that's ever prayed for peace. You ever pray for peace? Huh? Sure we have. We've prayed for peace a lot, right? Do you know that when you pray for peace, God answers it? And do you know that your answer to your prayer for peace is Jesus? 
You know why Jesus is the answer to that prayer? Because he is our peace. It doesn't say here that he brings peace, although he does, but that he is our peace. That was, a, that was, that was absolutely off topic and free. Now, I will not charge anybody any extra for that little comment, but, but just, okay, here we go again. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. Now, now watch out. Who's he, who is this, who's this both business? Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile. And notice that it says he has made us one. He has made us both one. In other words, in other words, understand that unity is not a human effort, but a divine gift. Unity is a work of God. He has made us both one. It is the work of God. Unity is always supernatural. Disunity is natural. Unity is supernatural. So God has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, here it comes now, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. You see, part of what Jesus did at his death on the cross not only resulted in the curtain being torn from top to bottom, but also resulted in the tearing down of the walls that existed in the temple complex. So that everybody, Jew and Gentile, so that everybody, male and female, could have equal open access to the Father. Why? Because God has made us both one. A new creation, a new thing has been created because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, and that is in God's eyes, we are all one new man. We are all one new creation. So that when we are saved, as the book of Galatians tells us, there is neither Greek nor Jew, there is neither free nor slave, there is neither male nor female, but we are all one. You see, this oneness, this unity is the work of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary to tear down the walls that have separated people for generations, for centuries. These things that separate us more often than not are man-made things because remember, disunity is natural, unity is supernatural. And here God makes this path because of what Jesus did on the cross so that all of us have this glorious access. And notice in verse 16 that he does this that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Understand, friend, that you have no hope of salvation, no hope of heaven apart from the, G the cross of Jesus Christ. 
None of us, whether you are Jew or whether you are Gentile, whether you are free or whether you are slave, whether you are male or whether you are female, none of us have any hope of heaven, no hope of a personal relationship with God apart from the cross of Jesus. Because it is there that we are reconciled. It is by the blood of Jesus. Come on, come on, church. It is by the blood of Jesus. And only by the blood of Jesus that our sins are forgiven and washed away from us that we might be reconciled to a holy and perfect God. And that's for all now. Not just a select few, not just a select race, not just a select gender, but for all, all of us, because the wall of hostility has been torn down, all of us have this access to the Father, through the cross, so that we might be reconciled. Not glorious. Absolutely glorious. So Jesus came to preach peace. He came to preach peace to those who are near, to those who are far off. But notice it is the same message. One of the things that unifies us is that we have a common need. One of the things that unifies us is that there's a common solution. It's Jesus. It is this message of peace. So you say, so, so, so Joe, what you're saying is that we're all one. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, that this unity is the work of God through Jesus on the cross of Calvary. That's exactly what I'm saying. You say, well, Joe, does that mean that we're all supposed to be alike? No, 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 no. Did I get enough no's in there? No, y'all thought I was breaking out into a pop song, didn't you? Okay. So what do you mean by that, Joe? Well, here's what I mean by that. It is God's glorious plan that even in the midst of our diversity, we have unity. Did you hear me? That in the midst of our diversity, we have unity. It is okay for us to be different and look different and have different backgrounds. It is okay for us to be different genders. It is okay for us to be different ethnic groups. The diversity of the human race is proof of the amazing creativeness of God. And and, and so it is that he has made us, and by the way, by the way, if, you, if you're not believing what I'm selling to you right now, if you went over to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, where John has this vision of the, of the innumerable multitude gathered around the throne of God, you, you familiar with that, with that picture in Scripture and they're all singing and they're all praising God? Have you ever noticed in that particular verse where he says he taught, he, that he sees people from all nations and all ethnic groups and all languages? Did you, have you ever noticed that? All languages? You know what that means? That there are people in heaven right now and there will be people in heaven tomorrow. There'll be people in heaven when I get there. Yes, I'm planning on going. That are, are gathered up praising God in, in, their, in their languages that they learned while they were on this earth. What a glorious thing that is. You know what that means? The diversity that exists on this earth exists in heaven. But in the midst of this diversity, We must, we, <laughs> we must realize that it is God 
that has made us one. It is that unity that convinces the world that God sent Jesus. Listen, the Southern Baptist Convention will never be able to do its work the way it should do its work if we are not unified. Oklahoma Baptist, our state convention, will never be able to do its work unless we are unified. Churches scattered around this state, including First Baptist Enid, will never be able to do its work, her work, unless she is unified. And let us for once and all simply say, God, it is your will that we be unified. It is your work that we be unified. God, unify us so that as one, we take this city with the gospel. So that as one, we take this part of the state with the gospel. As one, we take this nation with the gospel. As one, we take this world with the gospel. Friend, the only way that any of that happens is in the midst of of the unity that God brings because it is him and him alone that makes the two one, that makes the both one. Now I'm gonna tell you, unity, true unity is in scarce supply. Not because God ain't big enough to do it, but because I'm gonna hurt your feelings too often too often we want our way at the expense of everyone else's way. And we do the natural thing, which brings disunity. You see, the church, the unity of the church is proof of the reality of Jesus. And at some point, church, whether we're talking about First Baptist Enid or any other Oklahoma Baptist church or the, or the Oklahoma Baptist Convention or the Southern Baptist Convention, at some point, we have to be willing to set aside our desires and our wants and our wishes and honor those of other people as we strive together to do the will of God. one of the worst things that can happen to a church is to get into a fuss and a fight and an argument about secondary and what we call tertiary or third level things. We're going to get into a fight about whether we're going to have pews or chairs. God forbid. God forbid. Why don't we just sit in the floor? We're going to get into an argument and a fight about whether we're going to have a chandelier in the worship center. God forbid. We're going to get into a fuss and a fight about what we're going to call Sunday schools. They're going to be Sunday schools. They're going to be connect groups. They're going to be... Who cares? What if we just go get in the Bible together? And who cares what it's called? Y'all can amen that anytime you want to. Because I am Right? The heavy burden I bear to be right all the cotton picking time. You know what? Man, that's hard on me. But you know, the, the, the sad thing is there are, a lot of fo- there are a lot of folk in this world that aren't happy unless they're mad about something. And they pick some of the, the craziest stuff to get mad about. 
and they carried it into the church house, and now we're going to fuss and fight over that. Give me a break. God made both one. It is in our unity that his purpose is demonstrated. And I'm, listen, I'm not busting on First Baptist Enid any more than I would on any other Sunday. I love you guys. You're just getting, you're just getting the brunt of my burden this morning. By the way, the 1030 crowd's going to get the same thing. I really will be juiced up by then, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. If you hear horror stories coming out of that church, you're probably going to, it's going to be true. Yeah. Are, are you hearing me, church? Unified. Moving together as one. Unified. Allowing God, through the work of Jesus on the cross, to pull us together as one. You know what? I'd love to be a part of a church like that. I would absolutely love that. I think it'd make me smile. I think it'd make my heart happy. And I think it would be really easy to invite somebody to come to a church like that. I really do. I'm going to quit because I think I've said everything the Lord told me to say this morning. I'm giving him a chance to give me something else so I can keep you longer. Nope. I think, I think I've said everything I'm supposed to say. Yeah. Some of y'all are praying right now, aren't you? <laughs> Shut him up, Lord. Shut him up. <laughs> Whoever prayed that, you win, because I think I'm, I'm going to land the plane. But I'm going to encourage you. Now, whether you turn and kneel at the pew you sit in or whether you humble yourself and you come to these steps, that you come today and pray for unity in your church, in our churches, in our state, in our nation, in our world, that you pray for unity. And that you ask God to make you that missionary of unity and by no means a source of disunity. Amen? I think we can do that. We should have, we should have some singing to help with that. You bow your heads, close your eyes, will you? You may want to just, again, turn and kneel where you sit. You may want to make your way here. If you can't kneel, you may just want to come sit on one of these front pews. But I'm going to ask you to do something physically today that demonstrates what's happening spiritually. I think that's important. So who would lead the way? Who would do the hard thing? Who would lead the way? Help us out.